Hello. Hey. hey. Uh, welcome to Humatech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology and psychology and other things. No, My you said Jeffrey. it right the first time. Oh no, you didn't. No, I I changed it up. I can change it up. Mm-hmm. I'm here with Susan. Hi. I also interrupted you. You were about to start your your little thing, and then I yeah, said hi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my fault. I threw you off. Yes, yeah, Sorry. you did. Sorry about that. Hi, Guthrie. It's good to see you. Good to yep. talk to you. Yep. And uh, hopefully we'll get, maybe some people will join us and uh, chat and ask questions and so on. I know that you wanted to, for our podcast episode today, you wanted to go back to, we had done like this two-part series. Yeah. And um, I don't even how what would you call it? about web? I, I guess we were calling it web three metaverse. Oh. All the, yeah, yeah, that kind the, of stuff. Yeah, the so new where three. we're headed. Yeah, and you wanted to do a part three, and I guess I didn't know that, so I actually interrupted us. And last week we did a different topic, <laughs> and then you said I want to get back to part three. So that's what we're going to do today, right? Yes, and there's going to be right. part four as well. I know you just have so much you want to talk about. So part three of this metaverse and web 3.0, what is the focus of the topic today? Yeah. So uh, we, we ended up, if you recall, we started by just talking about some of the UX problems of VR, AR. We talked about a little bit about um, mental model problems of doing VR, AR stuff. And the virtual reality and augmented reality. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a broad, that was broad uh, part one, part two. Part three, uh, we left, we ended up part two talking about maybe um, the real killer app when it comes to web three is going to be uh, safety and trust. Well, that's not, what do you mean by killer app? You mean killer, well, the, 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 uh, really the, an app or you mean just the, no, the, the application. Application. Okay. The, the, the uh, I don't know, the thing that would will that makes it or breaks it. No, the service it's providing. Oh, is what? Uh, trust or security on the internet? Oh, okay, okay. All right. Safety on the internet, maybe. Safety, safety on the internet. All right. So is that what we're gonna pick up on today? Yes. Yep. That's All right. What we're starting off. Where do you want to start this conversation? Well, well, where do you want to take this conversation? Um, I guess I guess I want to. I guess I'll start by talking about Stadia, which is Google's uh, cloud streaming video game platform. Suppose um, that's S T A D I A. Yeah, Stadia. That was announced actually several years ago. Yeah, it's been around. Um, Is anybody doing anything with it? Does it like, I haven't heard much about it lately. Okay. So I'm not going to do a whole thing about Stadia. Okay. um, Because it's just an example. Okay. Stadia, uh, for those of you who don't know, you can play video games on a device, like your computer or cell phone or console. Okay. Um, but there is no real reason why there can't be a server farm somewhere that's running an instance of something, and that instance is running a video game. That video game is then packaged up as a video stream, like you're watching Netflix. Okay. And streamed to your device, whether it's a phone or TV, or monitor. So what it does is it basically, you know, when you move your mouse, the software sends that to your instance in a server somewhere. It moves it in the game, and then it sends you the response back. Okay. Um, The benefits of this is that you can run very uh, high-resolution games on low-end hardware, right? Because you're you're literally just watching a video. Yeah. um, And then sort of moving your mouse and keyboard and it's just sort of responding to you. Um, you're just playing games very, very remotely. Uh, and in theory, it could also, you could also unlock maybe 
I would say some unique experiences. So imagine a right now the way like multiplayer games work is everyone's running it on their own computer and then all that data has to be collected at a central hub that then sort of sort of sends it back and so it's a hub and spoke system. Um, and that that has certain limitations uh, that you know that you run into. Um, there are problems about cheating and you know that kind of stuff. So it, it's it just it's restrictive. Whereas in theory, if you were running everything on one server together, and then just sending each player like a camera view of what they're doing, you could unlock all these other experiences because you're leveraging all the computing power of all these different. Okay, I kind of I kind of understand. That was that was the that was the theory. Um, there are a couple problems with this in practice. The first one being latency. How mm. can your video game be as responsive if you're sending a signal hundreds right. of miles away and then it has to turn Waiting it for it back. to come back, yeah. Right. Um, so that's part one. Uh, and part two is it's... Uh, video games are made for... to be Made to be played on individual computers or consoles. They weren't okay. made to be played on some server in the cloud. Okay. So you have to convince video game developers to jump on board with this. Oh, okay. All right. right. Um, and that that has its own, you know, much like Netflix trying to get movie rights, you know, you can't, it's not like Netflix. It still doesn't snap. happen. Yeah. Okay. Imagine, imagine if uh, Netflix wanted every single YouTube video to be on Netflix instantly. Yeah, it's even not, if even if business wise they could make it happen, you it can't just still snap your fingers. There's stuff that yeah. has to happen in the background. Okay, so with all that aside, there are a couple other um, major players in this space. Uh, there is Microsoft, who has a huge cloud computing business platform, and also has Xbox, so they have history with games. There's Amazon, but they're they have a toe in it. They're not, you know, they're thinking about it. But they have Amazon Web Services, which is a huge, you know, cloud computing platform. There's NVIDIA, who literally just makes graphics cards. So in theory, you know, they would have expertise making good hardware. And they're well connected in the game industry. And then so Google is like, we're gonna we're gonna step in here. So I I bring this whole thing up because at launch, Google said, hey, we're going to make this awesome platform. We have the best uh, network nodes in the world. No one else has this. We can provide lower latency than any of the rivals. And again, latency is sometimes an issue. It's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, but so we can provide these unbelievable latencies that's just that's as good as playing on your computer. Um, one of the ways they did this is you had to buy a, well, you didn't have to, but generally you bought a controller that wasn't connected to your computer. It was connected straight to the internet. Okay. So instead of having to send your mouse movement through your mouse to your computer and then to your from your computer through some software, and then from some software to the internet, and then the internet over to Google servers, you were playing on a on a little device that sent it that straight to right Google servers. In. Okay. So, anyway, so, so they had all the stuff. Okay, so that was that was the first thing that they said. The second was we're going to have all your favorite games. It'll be all this stuff. It'll be really easy. Blah 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 to just sort of jump on, and you'll have you know all your games wherever you want it. I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly what they said, but there was an implication that there'd be lots of games they were going to develop their own games yeah. so there would be a whole new game studio um and then the third thing that they said is that they you'd be able to play at really high resolutions okay you know they mentioned that an elite a tier that was going to come really soon that was you know 4k 120 hertz okay um so it's years later the game studio is already shut down. Um, they apparently fired everyone. You know, it takes years to make a video game. Yeah. They they fired people for a couple months, hired people for a couple months, and then sent them all home. Uh, they 
Um, their their latency is not any better than any other on any of their other competitors. So that didn't happen. Their uh, uh, if you bought in order to play games on their platform, unlike other platforms, you had to buy the games on Stadia. So if you bought games on Stadia, you can't play them anywhere else. Okay. Right. So it's not like you can buy a game on Stadia and then if it shuts down, you can just go play it on your computer. Okay, so you, but but wait, wait. So you're describing like these really bad. Dis- uh, uh, you're describing a company who decides to go in one direction and ha- makes all these promises and has all this hype around it and then doesn't actually do it. Yeah, and so it's years later. They're still. I don't even think they do 4K 120 hertz yet. They still do only well, 4K 60. Are they still supposedly doing anything? Why? Yeah. So, so the the big story is well now they're going to white label it. So like, imagine if you're like a startup and you want to do some sort of cloud gaming thing, you can like, it's like like Amazon Web Services. You could just buy their server time. Okay. They're going to turn so Stadia into buy like game play three world and yeah, something uh, like that. But so, you, yeah, you'd actually be using their Stadia. It's called, stuff. Yeah. It's, I believe it's called white labeling. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's, right. it's done by Google, but it doesn't have that. Right. On it. But I got to ask you, why are we talking about this? So this is a perfect example. Yeah. Of, of? the severe mistrust that, especially with big tech companies that their customers have been dealing with for a long time. And it really hurts the adoption of a new platform. Okay, so let me make sure I get this right. You're saying when you make all these announcements and you get people to, you know, sign up and you spend money and whatever, but then you don't you don't follow through with it and you kind of leave it in this state of limbo, which is kind of where it is right now. And then it all it'll shut down in a couple of years. Then then you're saying that it makes people, it kind of furthers this idea that you can't trust tech companies. Is that what you're saying? And not just tech companies, but yes, any companies that seem to be doing anything in software, especially. So you're now tell me how this connects to our previous conversations. Are you saying that, that, you know, Facebook announces the metaverse, but everyone is like, uh-huh, yeah, right. Because of instances like Stadia and others, we just yes. kind of roll our eyes. Okay, all right. So we're skeptical. Well, so, so, yeah, I'll, I'll spell this out a little bit. The, the idea of having a platform... The whole point is that you need people to be on the platform for the platform to be successful. You mean like Metaverse or Stadia? Yeah. Or yeah. If you're gonna, if you're the only person, Facebook around, or anything right, else, the, these these Twitter only have value if there's a critical mass of people using it. Okay. And there is something about the startup culture in Silicon Valley. Yeah. I think that's fueling a lot of this, which is you just do something, MVP, minimal viable product. We'll just put it out there. Fake it. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Um, Except you can't. I mean, well, Facebook. No, no, no. No. You, you put a minimal viable product. Yes. You're, you're running yes. on. We, we've talked to enough you're people at fumes. these big at these big tech companies, yeah. these projects are horrendously understaffed. They're yeah. wildly ambitious. The timetables are, you know, 40, 40%, you know, optimistic all the time about right. what it really right. takes. And, and the whole point is, well, we'll just do this. And if it doesn't work, no Who big cares? deal. It's like, it's like a, it's like a startup, right? We'll try it. If it doesn't, get big, go viral and get big and go rich. We'll just shut it down. And so we'll you're just try saying it again. that these, that the whole startup culture actually is not just with startups. It's also with the big tech companies. That's my theory. That's my theory. So if you look at, and I, I have had you make a little list there. Um, 
there are so many the, the, there are so many tech companies who they stand up at this big presentation and it's all glitzy and you have the COO or whatever, the president of blah, 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 stands up and make these claims about how cool and revolutionary this all their stuff is. visionary idea is. Well, sometimes, be- sometimes they Steve Jobs it up a little bit, but sometimes even if it's not like, blazing the future if it's more straightforward in tone they still promise a lot okay Uh, so for example there's a running joke in which uh since 2016 basically tesla has been selling uh self-driving mode in their cars which would unlock full autonomous driving um, so if you buy a tesla now and you and you buy the upgraded package you you you're buying the ability to have a self-driving car later when it becomes legal yes. and all of that. And there are tiers of self-driving. Isn't that true? Assume, let's just assume it's the next level, the next tier up. Okay. Um, no, it's not. It's true. not true. There, well, they have they have they they have they have one tier, okay. but the full tier, which is what was promised, and then you, your your Tesla would become a taxi, and you'd be able to make money right. in a spare time. Okay. Um, there's a there's a clip of him saying in interviews that they were about a year away. And he said that since 2016. Okay. Yeah. But does anyone believe Elon Musk? I mean, really? Ever? This is my point. (laughs) Well, there was a time when the answer was yes. And Teslas are cool and they are revolutionary in in many aspects. I would take one if you want to give me one. Sure. Yeah. So, so the idea that this claim, which seemed to be really cool and ahead of what everyone else was doing, you know, and I, like I said, I'm sure that I'm not even saying he lied. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that the, that the people at stadia lied. I'm, I don't, I'm not even sure there's any, I'm sure in some cases there's sort of malpractice where they're just trying to, you know, catch everyone's attention by saying, Oh, it'll do X and Y when they know it won't. I think that a lot of times, they they're they think being told it'll happen. that these executives are they want to climb the ladder. There's a lot of politicking going on. They are being told rosy pictures by people, other you know, yes people who just want to inflate their egos. And they're saying, "Oh yeah, we can do this." You know, okay, it'll be hardware. Okay, but I'm going to come back and ask you. What? Yeah, this is what business is all about. So what? But it's really not. I don't know if this is always true. So like, do you think? All right. So this is a okay. problem. Well, so so let's say you're buying a blender. Yes. Okay. For most of your life, right? Think of all the blenders that you've yes that you could have bought. Yes. What happens is, is a company announces a new blender. Yeah. And they say, "Hey, we got a new blender. It's five yeah. percent better blades, and it's got a, one more horsepower, and it's a newer yep. design." Yep. And it's for sale now, and you can buy it. And the blender that we have for sale right now is the thing that you purchase and it doesn't okay. change because it's a blender. Okay. So, so you have some confidence that this, it's like, it's like what they are selling to you is most of the time is the thing that you get with cars. Okay. Through most of the time, ignore the software part. But if, but if they're like our cars have led lights and they have a sunroof. And, and they, they do have LED lights. When, when you buy the car, those are the things on the car. Okay. The things so, that are announced so, that are on the car. So basically, you're saying, well, I'm still trying to figure out. I, I get what you're saying. You're saying the MVP stuff is just messing things up. It seems to happen mostly on a software side. Because the software is like, oh, We'll imp- we'll figure it out. We'll implement it as we go along. Yeah, you know, because you're not manufacturing a, an actual thing. Right, right, and so it, it allows companies to thing. spend not very much, say all these cr- things that are really cool. Okay, uh, okay, and but not actually at, do it. Right. So, but I'm just I'm going to push you. Mm-hmm. Why is this a problem? So th- it's a problem because it erodes consumer trust. The list of products that Google has announced, especially 
platforms. And then after a few years get changed, shuttered, shut down. It's a it's a complete graveyard. It's amazing. I mean, they've had I think like 13 messenger apps that they've created by now. So it's kind of like, uh, do, do you know that the fable about crying wolf? I think everyone knows that one. So it's like they're crying wolf. Yeah, they just they keep saying, "Hey, so this now is they do thing. it again." And so, so you're saying that there's a, have we reached the point where we just kind of like don't believe them anymore? Yes, and 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 it's really starting to happen in a lot of places. Is so it just know, Google? No, of course not. So do you know Kickstarter? Kickstarter, yeah. People kind fund of. projects. You know, people are yeah, like here's yeah. a cool project, and then they fund it. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of really successful kick, Kickstarters. I back a lot of Kickstarters. Um, okay. Not a lot, but from time to time, I mostly back creative Kickstarters. Like if someone's making a board game or something. Okay. Um, a lot of the software stuff that's on there has a very, very bad reputation where it's like, here's this cool thing and we're shipping it in 2019. Right. And then, they don't. And then in like in 2021, it finally ships. It has half of the features it was supposed to have. And by the time it ships, it's the rest of the competition is caught up to it, but you've already paid your money. So you're sort of stuck with it. Oh, and then in two years, they'll shut the servers down. Sounds and it'll like be a very easier. good scam. Well, this is this is it. I mean, um, a, a number of my favorite YouTubers, it's gotten so bad that anytime they review a Kickstarter project, they they say, look, we're reviewing this. It's really cool, dot, dot, dot. But this is Kickstarter. We say, you know, like, we'll believe it when we see it. And mm. you really shouldn't invest in it. You should only invest in this if you are re- willing to take the risk that you will not receive this product. Um, and, you know, Kickstarter is working on ways to overcome that, but... That that is okay. So what you're saying is there's a, yeah. a lot a large number of organizations and companies, especially big tech ones, big especially big tech, that are using the MVP model and not not living up to promises, and therefore consumer trust in these big tech companies and the promise, is, and the projects and the promises they make is eroding. Yes. And there's okay. one huge exception to this list. Okay. So, and, and I'm going to guess you're not saying that Facebook or Metaverse is the exception? No, no. Okay. So Facebook and Metaverse goes in there. All right. Uh, Google, we know, is on the list. It's we talked Apple. About Microsoft? Oh, not Microsoft? It's Apple. Apple. Apple says they're going to release a product. They and do they it. do. They say it's going to be like magic, it's just going to work for and this small little feature, right? Like you can copy an iMessage between device is. or whatever it is, right? And, and within does. a year, it, the thing okay, generally so happens. What, do you have any, well, it's not like you have insight inside these companies, but why is Apple not doing what everybody else is doing in terms of that? Um, I think it's because Apple has a vision and they they decide what the vision is and they enact the vision and they don't care about any of the steps in between and for their most part their vision is not dependent on anyone else it's not dependent on customers liking things it's not dependent on some sort of big plat- social media platform um, there are exceptions uh, hmm. that have not worked and have been and have shut down, um, I can think of. And that's generally when they tried to get into platforming. Do but you it's think like, that part of the reason this is true is because their their stuff is so tied to hardware? Yes, absolutely. It's not like just software? Though mostly what they do is really good software, right? Software? But it's, yeah, I mean, the, the vast majority of the interactions people have. But it's always tied to their particular hardware. hardware. But but when they were selling, let's just take the years they were selling Intel MacBooks. Yeah. It was just a computer. 
Right. It was using 95% off the shelf yeah. parts. It was an Intel. It was, yeah. you know, it was functionally, it could run Windows. It was functionally the same as any other laptop. And so what really was nice is they had really, um, really tight software integration with that hardware. Okay. And now they're doing their own thing with their own kind of custom hardware, but they're still using an ARM processor. You yeah. know, like my Samsung, you know, it uses an ARM processor. They're using a modified version of a ARM design. So, so it's not like it's a, the same instruction so, set. So it's do you not think like it's, it's made a, out of So you think it's bubbles. a corporate culture thing then? Potentially. Yep. Hmm. It's like it's like we're going to make a product and think of their support, right? Like you can have you can have an um uh I, I got a friend who has a 2015 laptop, MacBook yeah. laptop. It runs the exact same software as every other Mac does. It's been it's been yeah. seven years now, right? Yeah. Still getting regular updates on the newest software. So when they when they put a product when they are creating a product when they're creating software, they're like this will be around for a decade. So you're so you're saying I shouldn't have given up all my Apple stuff and gone Windows and Android. I should have stayed no, with not, Apple, or I should switch to that. Apple, and well, I shouldn't have, have sold my Apple stock either. Well, there's a problem with well the Apple stock that that's on you, but the <laughs> uh, there the problem is that sometimes that vision also has to be right. And there was a a time when their vision was making the consumer worse off. Hmm. You know, generally they have this vision and it's because this is going to enable really, really cool experiences. This is this, but for our customer, right? We're putting our customer first, but it's an envisioned customer of the future, not necessarily the customer of of the present. Okay. So in this time period you were talking about, um, they went through a little bit of a lull where their products were not up to up to par yeah, yeah. with the competition. One of the reasons that they weren't up to par is that they were developing. My, my understanding is, is that they were developed. They were trying to make this laptop for the chips they were going to make five years from now. when they when they, they I mean, they knew they were going to make the switch. So yeah. they started making these, what I would say is maybe underpowered laptops for the designs. Yeah. Because they knew they had this really efficient, really a chip coming in the future, so that when the chip was ready, the hardware package would be also be ready. Okay, all right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you here. Any, anyways, the point is people people really trust Apple because when they implement something, some some people may not like it, some people may say it's silly, some people may like it. I mean, you do, but realize- it's not vaporware. It's, it's going to exist. You realize you're the one that talked me out of all my Apple technology. I will, but I'll get, I'll give you another example though, that, what? that stays around pretty well. And that is Microsoft corporate. Oh, so you talked me out of my Apple stuff to go Microsoft corporate and you say that's not, wasn't a bad decision. Microsoft, when it comes to running software, is pretty impressive. You can basically, on a computer from 2022, run software from like the 90s, which is pretty impressive. You um, Yeah, but why would you want to do that? That's the question. Well, but, so, uh, yeah. The point, the point is, is that like, do you have faith that Microsoft will be supporting PowerPoint in a couple years? I do. Right? Like, are right. they going to so, shut down? All right. All right. Then I'm going to come. Then, all right. Now I'm going to push you. So, okay. They don't so, do a whole lot because they're the really, really conservative. Is, so, so we, so consumers are losing trust in large tech companies, especially large tech platforms. And then I'm going to ask you, so what? Okay, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Why are you thanking me? Well, you know, I mean, keeping keeping me on track. It's keeping good. you on track. Yeah. So, so what? So why do we care? Why do we care? So one of the things is is that 
now, especially with it's, it's almost like um, it's almost like a, a crypto culture, mm-hmm. which is so Facebook is doing their metaverse, which is sort of what we're talking about, or anyone doing their metaverse. It is very platform oriented. It re- it requires that you and all your friends are on this platform. Yep. And so another tech company is like, oh, look at this cool thing. It's going to revolutionize X and Y. And it's going to do all this stuff. And you should get on. It's going to be great. And there's not going mm-hmm. to be any problems. It's just going to work. And we're mm-hmm. going to put in time and resources. And it'll be open source and platform based and blah, blah, blah. And like all the consumers, not necessarily on the business side, but regular kind of, you know, individual consumers, after years of being having the rug pulled from out from under us, and by the way, that's literally one of the scams. It's called a rug pull. Okay. That is that's the name of the thing in which you okay. in which you say all these really amazing stuff. You get a bunch of investor money, and then, and then you, you just run away and you pull the rug out and you just shut everything down, okay. um, and just disappear. So yeah, so like you know, after time and time and time and time again of these projects being over-promised, under-delivered, under-supported. Um, let's take video games, for example, because the metaverse is going to be very much like a video game. In fact, yeah. a lot of the software is very similar. Yeah. Video games, when I was growing up, when they launched, they would have a couple bugs and then they get fixed. Yeah. There are so many video games from big publishers that when they launch are horrendously buggy. Like unplayable. Okay. And it took okay. Months. All right. All right. So now, now I have to ask you some other questions. Well, so um, can you just look at that list that I gave you before we move yes. on? Because I wanted to make you sure. You gave I me wanted... this list. I didn't know what I was. You said write this down before yeah. we got on air, which I did. But now I'm beginning. Okay. Uh, but don't forget that I just, just... have a bigger question to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just list the names of things. I just want to okay. make sure I listed the all names of things problems. were Google Stadia. Yeah, we did that one. Tesla Autopilot. Yeah, we did that one. Kickstarter. We did that one too. Uh, and then I have, I don't know how to pronounce it, O-I-U-Y-A. Yeah, so that was a, um, that was another, hey, we're going to, we're going to be a video game platform. You should come to us. And then not enough people did it and then just shut down again. And then game developers, it said. Yeah, there's been so many, like I just said, there's been a lot of video games that were very much hyped. And, and that and that and that's the list. But so all right, so now I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Because you were kind of you know, you were talking about tech large tech companies and platforms and trust, but this whole idea of the <clears throat> of the startup mentality of the MVP, that is not just with that part of the industry. That has per it's is now true. permeated all through very normal conservative corporate companies. I mean, we work with clients who are talking all the time about, you know, uh, let's do an MVP and let's use this, you know, lean process because we're going to create an MVP. And um, so, and, and in some ways, I think, or maybe not just some ways, you know, the whole agile process is all about kind of creating MVP. I mean, you put something out there and then we'll change it. Put something out there and then we'll change it. So is this a, but let's not talk about agile. Let's just focus on the MVP part. Do you think this is a problem with do you think this problem with the MVP culture and the the lack of trust it might engender is not just a large tech platform problem? Has it is it a risk for everyone else that's on the train? Sure. I, I so I think when it comes to trust and when it comes to your you know, customers and community. I think what's important is it's like, it's not like, there's nothing inherently wrong with an MVP product. The thing that happens that's wrong 
is what you're telling the customer. That they don't think it's an MVP. They think it's a product. There is a, there is a way to say a product is at an early stage, and it's called a beta. And there used to be beta software where they're like, hey, we're trying stuff, you know, yep. you should understand that this might not be the finished product, like it might change. Like, there's at least the customer understands that there is some risk there. When was the last time you ran into a beta software? Yeah, I used to get these, uh, you know, do you want to be part of our beta, beta group? Program. And you were then yeah. part of a special group of people that was trying out this new thing, and you knew it was beta. But the beta generally was basically the same as the published software, just a little rougher. Yes. Now, those those programs, which are called like insider programs or whatever, yeah. they're basically an alpha. Like, it's like the program doesn't even run yet. <laughs> you know, like... It, like you can't even use it. It's so it's so raw. So what what has be, what was the alpha became the beta, and what was the beta became the first couple months of release. Okay, so what do you think should be done if you were okay? If you were, uh, uh, and I understand you're not, but if you were, you know, some high level corporate person at at let's say not. Well, you can answer this question in multiple ways. So I'll let you decide. Do you want to, and you could, you can take all these routes, but you get to decide which one first. So you can tell me if you were a high level corporate person at Facebook and, you know, on the metaverse thing, and given what you just said about consumers and trust eroding and everything, what would you do? Or you can answer the question if you were not at a large corporate, but at, you know, a startup, what would you do? And then, or you can answer, which is maybe the one I'm actually most interested in, but probably you're not. If you were, you know, VP of whatever at not a tech startup and not a big tech company, but just, you know, a regular company where MVP has already infiltrated as, as the way to go, what would you do? And which one of those three are you going to answer as? Or is it all oh, three? It's too late. <laughs> Catherine, what do you mean it's too okay. late? Um, are there any brands that you trust? Yeah. Are there any brands of anything that I trust? Yes. yes. Where, where you trust that if they released some, a new product, you're like, this will this will probably be of good quality. I do. Name one or two. Uh, I would name, I would name, uh, this is going to be so weird. I would name uh, Medtronic. I would name Medtronic and I would name Hamilton Beach. Okay. Anything else? Oh, do you want more? Uh, yeah, there's probably, I would probably name uh, Patagonia and Eddie Bauer. I mean, essentially, I'm going to name all the companies that I buy stuff from. <laughs> okay, so let's pick one of those. Let's pick like the Patagonia. How long, how many years have you had a relationship with Patagonia? You know, it's interesting. I don't have a big personal relationship with Patagonia because they tend to make clothing that doesn't fit me. But but my relatives have a very strong relationship with them. And I have seen, you know, so I buy Patagonia as a present how about, for my how about husband. Eddie all right, Eddie Bauer. How, how long have you been buying Eddie Bauer things? Uh, 20 years or so. Okay. The relationships that yeah. companies have with their customers yeah. is not an MVP relationship. Like the like it takes years of trust of companies saying we're going to launch this product and then doing it and following through on it. Yes. And if you are a new company 
or there's a new customer, they're bringing with them all their expectations of all the previous interactions that they've had. With you or with other companies? With other companies. So if you're a social media, if you're a new social media company, right? Yeah. You maybe are doing everything the right way, but your customer's expectations are- that you're going to be just like- decade of feeling like you've had the rug pulled out and the bait and switches. And, oh, wait, you're actually selling all my data and that's how you make money? Oh, wait, my, my information's not actually that private? Oh, wait, I put all this time into this video game and now it's just shutting down. Um, well, Do you, you promised it, all this stuff mm-hmm. and then half of it never happened. So it's like, so you're what, like the time frames that companies are, what are, what there are two things companies are not really re- realizing. The first is the cost on their customers. Um, if you roll out a new, let's just say you roll out, let's say you do like industrial software, okay? We'll pick something really obscure and you roll out a new version to your customers and they have to relearn all the stuff because it's totally different. Right. And then in 18 months you go, you know, didn't really work. We're changing it all over again. And you roll out a totally different version. Like there is so much time and effort that goes into learning new stuff. It is a cost that you are passing on to your customers and the customers feel that cost. And that's why in the corporate world, it rarely happens, usually to the detriment where stuff never changes because they don't want to, you know, anger any legacy customers. And there's, that's, a, that's sort of a problem for... It's another problem. It's, it's, it's probably in the opposite direction. That's why the corporate world is so conservative because it's a real cost to relearn. But on the corporate side, on, not on the corporate side, but on the individual side, the consumer side, there's a huge cost to relearn too. Um, I had the Google Pay app, Okay. It worked. It was fine. I didn't use it very much, but it was fine. They, after two years, they decided to totally redo it uh, because they wanted it to have a global network that was mostly based on the India payment of SMS. It's a long story. You can read about it. Ars Technica has some good articles about it. Anyways, so then I got a thing. Hey, you have an update and you have to set it all up again and relearn and it works differently. Like, you know, that's a cost to me. I had to spend time doing that. I, I remember sitting mm-hmm. at a gas station, setting up mm-hmm. my Google Pay again, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, okay, so like, like there's a cost to your customer if you just keep making them do all and I stuff. think And I think another thing that might happen that I've noticed is that You know, like I used the Hamilton Beach example, and that's interesting because uh, over the years, Hamilton Beach, they make blenders and, you know, tea kettles and that kind of stuff. They've been around for a very long time. And over the years, I'm sure I've had a Hamilton Beach something or other, right? But they were never top of mind for me, you know? Like I wouldn't say... Oh, I'm loyal to him. You know, if I had to buy one of these appliances, I wouldn't have normally thought, oh, let's see what Hamilton Beach has, right? But um, there was another brand that I did feel that way about. And I bought one of their products and and I lived with it for years. And I, it was always a terrible product. Like it just had, it just was problems and problems and problems. And then finally it just broke and I had to replace it. And at that point is like, I'm not replacing, I'm not buying that brand again. And that's when I went to Hamilton beach. But the reason I'm telling you this whole story is, you know, we, we unboxed the Hamilton beach product. It looked, it made us, it, it was sturdy and simple. And we had like this instant confidence. Like we didn't have to learn anything new. We just plugged it in and pushed the button and voila. And instantly, you know, it's it's like, I think our, our, our willingness to give it a try, to try it out, to, it's like, no, I'm not willing to do that. It's like, if, if it works instantly, then I'm on board. But, but if it doesn't, I don't have patience. I will give up, you know, but it, it, it's a two way sword. 
because I'm very impatient and I and my loyalty will disintegrate now quickly. On the other hand, my loyalty will be instantly there and strengthened if you very quickly do what I expect. I think we've become, um, or maybe it's just me, very impatient. You know, like you said, it's like, what? I have to go through and set this all up again? No. There's so many bad UX. Uh, yeah, and I'm have. not. We're, yeah, we're, I we have just, to learn so many new systems. Right, and we're and really apps. every time we're asked, the time. every time you're asked to learn, you're really asking someone to commit, and that's interesting. I don't know that we realize that when we're doing design and when we're doing these products, that you're not just asking people to spend a little bit of time. Because if it's two a minutes, that that's might a little be, bit of time. Yeah, it might be, you know, like <laughs> you think you think it's a little bit of time, but add it up with all the other products and services and software and sign-ins and logins and setup that accounts. we all have to do every day. Uh, it's it does. It does become it does become uh, too much. And I think that that either companies don't understand that or they know it, they just can't figure out how to solve it. Well, they also, well but you got to remember, you got to think of it like a company. They're not, they're there to sell a product and the product has to have certain features. And so they're there to implement the features, you know? And that's that's all they're trying to do. But is- the whole thing of onboarding, I hate that phrase, but the whole thing of onboarding uh, becomes very critical. And in this day, you know, I'm thinking so about the, the, you know, I'm thinking I have in mind and I won't say who it is, but I just have in mind a particular product slash software product slash service that's out there. Um, that over the years has become more complicated and less easy to use. And, and at the same time, has many competitors now where when they started, you know, they were the only game in town. So, okay, it was pretty easy and they were the only ones. Over the years, their features have grown. So now it's not easy. And they haven't paid attention to the user experience as they've added on all these features. So now you have a kind of large, complicated piece of software that's always changing, coupled with a lot of competitors that have entered the market. And I think it's a problem for this brand. I think they're losing uh, market share, partly because there's competitors, but also partly because... Yeah. Uh, if you don't sign on for a month, when you sign on, it, you look at it and you, you know, it's like, yeah, this is part of software as a service, right? I mean, I used to buy the software and put it on my computer. And when I opened it next time, it would look and act the same. And now it's in the cloud. I sign in and you look at it and you go, what the heck is all this? Your, all your preferences have been reset. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks might go by, and it's like, it looks like a. And it's like, oh man, are you kidding? How do I do X Y Z? I always used to just push this button, and now it's not. It's not there. It's not in the menu it was in before. The menu looks different. So makes, I wonder. Makes me crazy. I wonder if this is a pendulum thing because the reason that companies are doing this MVP thing is because it worked. If you go out there and you say, oh, our product has 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 this feature and this feature and this feature and it does this other thing and no one else is doing it at 4K and like there's all this stuff. And so like so people go out there and they be like, wow, well, why would I get this old one when there's this new one that's new and revolutionary and blah, blah, blah. And it, and it does seem to work. It's been getting these companies market share. But I wonder if the pendulum is now starting to, to, to shift. And I, one of the big things that happens in corporate decision making is they do, or just in general, 
people do not understand the time frames that changes take place, that mental model shifts take place in. Companies rarely can think past two years. And some of these things like trust it, like, do I trust a company? Am I willing to go in with an open mind? Like these, these things take decades of experience and interaction to change and make opinions on. Um, and, and like, it may take decades to change it again. So you have to think on these really, really long timeframes that most companies refuse to, to think about, you know, it's like two week sprints, six months sprints. I mean, it's just, microscopic quarterly shareholder yeah right it's all trying to keep the share price up and you know there's a whole capitalism aspect of it like get the money now while you can get the money and who cares about what happens later and a lot of customers end up getting burned but the company doesn't care they got their money they got out um they you know they like facebook right they got huge on facebook they've been squeezing it to within an inch of its life with you know ads all over the place and with that money, they still have Facebook, but then they bought Instagram and they bought Oculus and they bought, they started the metaverse. They, so that you take that, you squeeze all the money out over here, you wring it out and maybe you've killed that product. But you're, with that money- You're really depressing me, Guthrie. You go and you diversify in a bunch of other different spaces. Now I'm, I'm just getting depressed. And then you just, keep, you just keep doing that and you can kind of make money forever. Anyways, okay, well- the, the Thank you is, for this uplifting conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't. The point is, is that there was a long time where people were sort of like, you know, when are they going to stop getting away with this? You know. Yeah. And now I really feel like that sort of like the tide is starting to change. You so have if you all right, so if you're one of these companies, what should you do? What's your advice? Putting you on the spot here. What am, I, what, what am I doing? What am I? Okay. I come to you and I say, Guthrie, I listened to your podcast episode and, and, and I think you really are onto something. And, you know, we, at our company, we're all involved in this MVP and 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 again, gosh. you can do MVP, but like, what is it? What is your goal as a company? You know. Uh, all right, I come to you is and I say, "You're trying to launch." I'm concerned about about loyalty, and we have all these changes we're making and all these new products we're planning on launching, and now I'm worried that we're gonna. We're going to create launch fatigue with our customers. What should I do? Well, I'll say, well, you're, <laughs> well, you have a MVP startup culture and you've spent that you spent years cultivating and now that's your culture. Yes. So there's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can do. I told you I was depressed. I, um, I don't know. I don't know if I believe you. Start supporting every single product you launch for ten years. There you go. Thank you. No one's going to do it. It'll cost you a fortune. It'll cost you an absolute fortune to support a product for ten years. That's that's why no one does it. You know you know what's really expensive? Maintaining code for a dwindling base of customers. Mm. Um, keeping customer support on for a long mm. time. Spending a lot of time. Uh, you know, um, making making sure. Uh, one second, you talk. I got a package. Okay, he's he's uh, he just had his doorbell ring, so I guess he's got a package delivery, and so now he makes me talk all by myself. Okay, well, I don't agree with him. That there's nothing you can do. And I guess I would say if I were at one of these companies, what I would do. Oh, there you are. I was going to say um, if I if I were at one of these companies, I don't agree with you that it's hopeless, but that's just what I would say. I think that 
I would start to have a conversation about uh, are we, for anything new that we're developing and anything we have out there, are we willing to commit to a 10-year support? And if we're not, and the answer we, is no. Then we everyone. need then we need to rethink what we're doing. That's what I would say. But it's easy for me to say because well, there there are the, the problem is, and it's the same problem that you see that you see in basketball. So in the, in the NBA, there are these general managers, and they're the ones who like make trades and stuff, right? Yeah. And they're under this pressure to do a good yeah, job. Yeah, I know, I know. Right? And so for most of them, not all, not all, because some of them have the support of the owners for a long time. Most of them, I mean, they pe- coaches and GMs get fired like every three years. Yes. You know, they're just searching for the next, the next you know, big Steve star, Kerr, the yeah. next Sam Presti, yeah. the next. And so I'm the GM of a team and I can get a player yeah. right now. Yeah. Now it requires that I trade a yeah. draft pick I have in yeah. 2027. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to be here in 2027. Yeah. That's not my problem. So, so you make the trade, you get all these great players together. It's like, okay, well, five years from now, whoever's the GM has no draft picks. They're not going to have any good players. They're basically in a, in a wilderness now. Right. But that's not my problem because right. I'm not going to be here. And so if I'm an exec of a company, like. Although some I... execs stay around. Yeah. But even if they stay around, like. I, like, what do I care that in eight years from now, there are now more customers that are slightly more loyal to us as a brand because of the. Of okay, country, seriously, account. this is you. You're you're being very pessimistic, but we we and we have to stop this conversation because we've hit oh, our. We got, a, we got a couple more minutes. We don't have too many more minutes. I we think we've a, hit we our, our. Yeah, so I. I don't know. Okay, here's I, my summary. Here's my summary. summary. I think there are very good reasons for all of this. Yes. There are very good reasons because MVP is very cheap. That's the whole thing. Yes. It's cheap on development time. Yes. It's cheap on UX resources. Think of all yes. the UX work you don't have to do. Yeah. Uh, it's amazingly cheap and is a certain percentage of MVP stuff that's a home run. Yeah. That is viral, that you just knock yeah. it out of the park. And yeah. for very little investment, you right. have this huge growth segment. It's an engine. Know? Yeah. We have this, um, we have a client who has a project that it was this small little thing that just sort of came out of sort of a, well, let's just give it a try. And it might turn into this big uh, opportunity for them with, you know, this opens up a whole new customer base. Yeah. And it all came out of just an MVP, like let's just try something and yeah. figure it out. So so there is a, a small chance that it works out. And if it works out, you're a hero and you get a promotion. And now you're in charge of this big new land thing. expanse, yeah. manifest destiny thing. Um so you know, it's it's pe- companies are making riskier and riskier products. Hmm. So okay. that's, that's, that's sort of, that's your summary. That's, that's my big summary. So how does that then just interact with web three in the metaverse? You have a population that has been primed with really not trusting these rollouts. Okay. Where platforms, they get set up, a bunch of money gets sunk into them. They don't and work. And then they closed, disappear. And they disappear. So why should I go into Facebook's metaverse, spend a bunch of money on avatars or all this stuff, and then the platform form will just be shut down? Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a creation not of Facebook's undoing, but of the industry yep. as a whole. And all right, now now you said we're going to do a part four. Well, so this then leads us to part four, which, which is gonna... what if the next big popular feature of the internet so web one was just like the internet as a concept right yeah sort of like you can do things web two was what if you could be social online okay like that, that's that's the that's the next big feature is what if when i'm reading this article in the dallas morning 
star or whatever the maybe fictional newspaper is, I could interact with people. Right. For better or for worse. Like that's sort of an interesting yeah. thing. That's a feature at least that didn't exist before. And maybe the next big feature on the web is in fact not the metaverse or crypto, but is, is in fact uh, trust and accountability on the web. What if that's right. the next big feature that everyone wants? That's the next killer app. All right. And that's going to be our uh, part four. I think so. All right. Did you have any other questions? about that? I, I have a million of them, but I don't, we don't have time. So I will hold them for our next one. And I will thank everyone for joining us. And if you have comments or questions, Guthrie, where can they reach us? You can email info at theteamwebby.com. Do you think, did, did I, did I, did I talk about enough stuff? I talk about too much, too many things. Yes, but that's all right. You got there yeah. to the end. No, sorry, was, sorry for rambling. No, you do not have to apologize. I just feel like we're leaving it on a cliffhanger. It's like ah, uh, so we'll 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 see if we can, we'll just do part four and see where part four takes us. We'll do part four. All right, Guthrie, thank you. It was interesting, and I see where you're coming from now. I didn't know where it was going at the beginning, but now I get it. Um, all right. Thank you. And thanks everyone for watching and listening and we will see you next time. Uh, we're always here, LinkedIn live doing our human tech podcast Wednesdays at noon central oh, US. Time. And we were doing, um, expert tests are now for sale. Yeah, we have a new, we have a new service called an expert test. So, uh, go to our website, which is, the teamw.com and uh, look for that and try that check it out all right it's on our store it's on their store all right bye bye